0: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. And for those of you listening up in Connecticut, I've got two great stations up in Connecticut. I've got WICC. And I've got WTIC up in Connecticut. Uh, or W. Yep. And I wanna I, I wanna spend some time with my listeners in Connecticut here for just a moment because there's a big national story, and it plays well with a local story up in Connecticut that actually should aggravate every single person listening to the program. A, a uh, the the Connecticut Mirror has a story. It turns out that state troopers in Connecticut might have falsified at least 25,000 traffic tickets. It turns out that four state troopers in Connecticut fabricated hundreds of traffic stop tickets in 2018 alone. And in a systemic review, it appears to be upwards of 25,000 or more traffic tickets. Now, no one was falsely given a traffic ticket. What the police are alleged to have done is they made up people and gave these made up people traffic tickets. The law in Connecticut requires that when a ticket is given, all the the racial and demographic data is put into a database on racial profiling to make sure the police are not racially profiling people. The scandal should be that the police who fabricated these traffic stop tickets got better assignments, pay increases, Promotions and specialty vehicles, which seems to be why they were fabricating the, the quotas. It appears to be a quota system. Now, this is this is where we get not from the hyper-specific Connecticut story, but into a national situation, is you know, a lot of police in a lot of parts of the country use quotas. They deny it, they routinely say it's not true. And you know, and I know, and they know, they have quotas for traffic stops in a lot of parts of this country. And it appears the state police in Connecticut have quotas as well. And if you meet the quotas, you get better assignments, better pay increases, better promotions, and specialty vehicles. And so the police have been making up people to give tickets to and putting their information into the profiling database. Now, you and I are outraged that they clearly have a quota, and they're going out of their way to give people tickets in order to meet the quota to get pay and promotions and benefits and better cars. The left and the politicians in Connecticut are upset because it turns out those 25,000 fake tickets were all given to white people. Yes, this is where the the priorities of the Connecticut politicians and nationally the Democrats are screwed up. They're not outraged that it turns out there was a quota system for traffic tickets where police got bonuses, pay uh, better cars and the like by giving out a bunch of extraneous traffic tickets. No, no, no. They are upset because... They made them up and they were all white people. So they skewed the database that the politicians set up to address racial profiling. So now it looks like overwhelmingly tickets were being given to white people. And and that messes up the evidence because they know they're sure the police are giving to non-white people in excess. And what's so remarkable is that the Connecticut Democrats – Have set public policy based on this data, and they're allowing people out of prison for disproportionate profiling and things like that. Never mind if you committed the crime, if you're not a white person and you committed a crime, they're like, Well, you've been racially profiled. We're going to let you out of jail. And so crime in Connecticut has gone up as Democratic politicians have used data to allow black and Hispanic criminals out of prison at a disproportionate rate to white criminals. Say, Well, clearly, they were targeted because of their their skin color, not because they're actually criminals. So the left and the media in Connecticut is upset that the fake tickets skewed racial profiling, not that the police were given bonuses to pull people over who might otherwise not have been pulled over, but because they skewed the data to make it look white. So now let me move this into the larger story. This is Connecticut and a bunch of Democrats and progressives in the media who are upset with a racial profiling database that is clearly inaccurate because the police were making up white people to give tickets to, not to skew the racial database, but to get promotions for having met their ticket quotas. But this comes at a time black and Hispanic voters in the country, are moving to the GOP. Now, the Democrats will tell you that actually a majority of them are still Democrat. It's only a small number. The problem is Donald Trump lost the presidential election in 2020 by about 45,000 votes. He won it in 2016 by about 40,000 votes. We're talking about the margins. You move that number, you move just 5% of Black and Hispanic voters to the GOP, the Democratic position becomes very weak. And the reason they're moving is stuff like this, because the white progressive politicians of America are using racial databases and claims of racial profiling to let criminals out of prison who disproportionately reside in black and Hispanic communities. And the black and Hispanic law abiding citizens no longer feel safe because of the white Democrats who have a bunch of white guilt letting criminals into the street so they sleep well at night. Black and Hispanic voters are moving to the GOP in alarming numbers for the Democrats in tight races because of the cultural issues and the environmental issues and the economic issues advanced by the white progressive elite of the Democratic Party. And the result is the Biden team is becoming alarmed at the number of black and Hispanic voters moving to the right. Black and Hispanic voters in this country no longer feel safe in their neighborhoods. Not far from me is a condominium-subsidized housing complex. And my local government took it to court, and it's been forced into a receivership because a majority of shootings in the last month in my county are in that condominium complex. And the police were largely urged by local politicians to stay away because it was predominantly black. They didn't want to be seen as intimidating to the residents. And the residents now live in fear for their lives and finally, together with the, the, the county and the city and outside groups, we're able to get a judge to force ownership control. And now the mayor and others are stepping up in my community to say, we're, we're going to crack down on this place. But for the longest time, this place was like a third-world hellhole because some of the prominent politicians in town were bullying the police. You can't go there because you're white, guys. You're going to intimidate the local local people, and the local people are living in fear for their lives. They're getting shot at night with random shootouts in their neighborhood but also white progressives could sleep well at night. The cultural issues matter. The environmental issues matter. If you're black or Hispanic in this country, you don't want to give up your gas powered car for a battery powered car that costs as much and doesn't get you as far. Yet the left has proposed standards in the last 24 hours environmentalists inside the biden administration are now proposing a 66 mile per gallon fuel standard which would be physically impossible for car manufacturers to make for an average size car today on the road so you either have to have a little tin can or you gotta have a battery-powered car and that's driving up the price and black and hispanic voters are feeling the price burden more than others, whether they're college educated or whether they're blue collar working class voters, they're starting to move to the GOP because of that. You're making them get rid of their gas stoves. I don't know if y'all know this or not, but in a lot of non-white communities, an open flame is necessary for cooking. You want to char a tortilla, you put it right on the flame on a gas stove. You want to char the outside of eggplant for uh, a lot of South Asian cuisine? You just throw it right there on the flame. It's what I grew up doing in my house overseas. A lot of ethnic cooking requires an open flame. And now the progressive, high-minded white people of America trying to protect non-white Americans from lung pollutants, want them to get rid of their gas stoves that are required for their cuisine. And now they're coming for their gas water heaters as well. Doesn't matter how efficient they are because they're run on natural gas. They've got to switch to either an entire whole house system that runs through their air conditioning system, or they got to do an electric tank that's going to drive up their power bill and be less efficient than the gas power tank. And the the black and Hispanic people of America are looking at this thing. This is nuts. You white progressives are making our lives more costly and less safe. You're putting us in in crime-ridden neighborhoods. And then there is the other cultural issue that resonates more with non-white voters than with white voters. And that is, well, boys have boy parts and girls have girl parts and you can't switch them. The cultural issue that galvanizes white progressives on transgenderism is alienating non-white Democratic voters. Joe Klein at Liberal Patriot with Rui Tierra has this piece, the conversation of the summer among Democrats. Why is Joe Biden so unpopular? After all, the economy is doing great, and that normally counts for a lot, but for some perverse reason, most Americans don't think so. Why are people so bummed? Because something very significant is happening in our country, and it goes much deeper than the economy. The pace of life has accelerated. The nature of work is changing. Technology is changing even faster. And people are unmoored from traditional values and community ties. We're moving from a majority white country to one that is multiracial. The problem here is that non-white Americans are impacted just as easily by this on social issues where people agree with liberals Liberals tend to take the most extreme position from Latinx to transgender sports. And they are beginning to alienate non white voters. It's having an impact on the polling for Joe Biden. It's having an impact in his popularity approval rating. It's having an impact in his job performance levels. He's tied with Donald Trump in the NBC poll or the New York Times Siena Club or uh, Siena polling. Siena College, not Sierra Club. The Democrats are galvanizing rural white voters in Iowa. Iowa elected Barack Obama. Iowa went for Barack Obama twice in 2008 and 2012. And then it went for Donald Trump in 2016 and 2020 and has never looked back. Joe Biden is not going to the Iowa State Fair this year. The Iowa State Fair attracts politicians of every stripe in America and always has until now. Why? Because the Democrats have so screwed up the culture war issues, they can't get a foothold in the state. The entire state is now Republican. In fact, Iowa used to at least elect one or two Democrats to Congress. They're all Republicans now. Statewide, Iowa has only one Democrat. And that's the state auditor. The democratic culture war issues have made non-white voters in America feel less safe. They've made white voters feel less safe. They've driven up costs across the board. And they are hell-bent on continuing to drive up those costs to save a planet at the expense of everyone's comfort while they themselves won't give up their private planes. In Connecticut... State law enforcement imposes a quota on police officers. They must pull over a certain number of people and give them speeding tickets. And it turns out the police have been making up the data. 25,000 made-up people, and they're white, which has screwed the racial profiling data. And the Democrats are upset that it's messed up the racial profiling data, not that there was a quota to begin with. The people remember these things, and the people are starting to get really angry at the Democrats for their cultural issues, their environmental issues, and their economic issues, and also crime and public safety. It's having a cascading effect, but the media is singularly obsessed with Donald Trump, so they can't figure out why people don't like Joe Biden at this moment. It has very little to do with the economy overall, although there's a lot of it. It has to do with all this other stuff and the Democrats and the press together are too clueless to realize it. Did you know China has made it a priority to teach students financial literacy starting in preschool? Financial literacy isn't taught in our elementary schools, and parents lack the resources to teach it at home. American kids are yet again being left behind. Now there's a great way for parents and grandparents to help the kids they love learn about finance, thanks to the Sensibles, and at bcs-kids.com. The Sensibles are a team of animated superheroes who help kids age 6 to 12 develop smart money habits in a fun way. BCS-Kids.com was created to channel this multimedia resource to kids everywhere. Buy a subscription for your loved ones, and each month, they'll get a Sensibles kit in the mail with an entertaining DVD, comic book, and activities. Digital subscriptions are also available. They'll also get access to an interactive website with a library of lessons, fun activities, and more. Want 20% off the monthly subscription costs? Visit at bcs-kids.com. Enter the promo code ERIC, my name, E-R-I-C-K. It's the sensible thing to do. Subscribe today at bcs-kids.com. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Uh, I I I gotta. want to put this out there to begin with as, as a bit of a warning. Um, this is emotional, what you are about to hear. This is Cheryl Rex. She's the mother of uh, Dylan Marola, who is an American soldier killed in the American retreat from Afghanistan. When Joe Biden, our elected president, entered the room, when he approached me, his words to me were, my, w- my wife Jill and I know how you feel. We lost our son as well and brought him home in a fog-draped coffin. My heart started beating faster and I started shaking knowing that their son died from cancer and they were able to be by his side also wondering how someone could honestly. Sorry. Be so heartless to say he knew how I felt a little over 24 hours and learning of my son's death. After this encounter. I have never had any personal correspondence, nor has my son been honored or his name spoken by this commander-in-chief. Can you imagine if any Republican, any Republican president had done that? The media response, particularly Donald Trump, if he, if he had lost a son to cancer and said we lost him on the battlefield, brought him home in a flag-draped coffin, none of it true? Can you imagine the media response? It's just so telling how so much of the American press corps is covering not just for Biden but the Democrats as a whole. There would be mass outrage in the press if Donald Trump or any Republican had done this, and yet they give Joe Biden a pass time and again. One group that's not giving him a pass is Americans for Prosperity, and they're taking him on for Bidenomics, screwing up the country. They're doing a tour around the country explaining just how bad Bidenomics is for the average household, and they want you to be a part of it. You can find out more at americansforprosperity.org Eric. If you go to americansforprosperity.org Eric, you sign up today, be one of 4 million people committed to helping AFP fight against Bidenomics and fight the left's agenda. They are a free market uh, free people enterprise they believe in limited government and they've gotten massive success around the country over the last year. Right now, they want you to be a part of their uh, tour of the country, to show up in here and learn how to teach your neighbor and your legislators why Bidenomics is bad for us. Go to americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K today. Learn how to be a great activist. Learn how to make a persuasive case against Bidenomics, and learn just how bad it is from the experts at Americans for Prosperity. Sign up today, americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. I am a small businessman. The company that I run for my radio show, it's a small business. I've got employees. I don't have HR. You may be in that situation, and you may really need HR. Well... You may want to talk to Bambi. When running a business, your employees can create all sorts of interesting situations and they could get you in trouble. What happens when two employees are squabbling? One of them smells bad all the time. What do you do? How do you navigate the rules? With Bambi, you get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 a month. They're available by phone, email, real-time chat. Onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance. Your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. Let Bambi handle your employees for you. Their HR autopilot automates important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Listen, you want US based HR managers who give you experience, expertise, a personal touch you need to make it seem like they're a part of your team. They can cost eighty grand a year, but Bambi starts at ninety-nine dollars a month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Go to Bambi.com right now, type in Eric Erickson under podcast when you sign up. It'll help you, it'll help your company grow, it'll help you keep peace of mind. It's spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, bam, B-E-E.com, Bambi.com, type in Eric Erickson. Hello and welcome, it is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877 should you wish to be on the program. Now, I need to talk about this story in the free press. This is intriguing. This is from David Zwig. Uh, The headline, Anthony Fauci's deceptions. On April 17, 2020, with much of the country still in some form of lockdown and news of overwhelmed hospitals dominating the headlines, Dr. Anthony Fauci, then a member of President Trump's coronavirus task force, was asked a question toward the end of a White House press briefing. Was there a possibility that this novel virus came from a lab in Wuhan, China? There was a study recently, Fauci said confidently, where a group of highly qualified evolutionary virologists looked at the sequences there and the sequences in bats as they evolve and the mutations that it took to get to where it is now is totally consistent with the jump of a species from an animal to a human. In other words, it wasn't from the lab. This moment set the template for much of what would follow from Fauci over the next three years. That is evasion, deception, and misdirection about his support of a high-risk virology research and its connection to the possibility that a lab leak in Wuhan caused a worldwide catastrophe. Fauci, who was the face of the public health community during the crisis, pushed the idea that the evidence strongly indicated that the virus was just a tragic natural occurrence. He insisted repeatedly that an epidemic that started in Wuhan was unlikely to have come from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. But Fauci had every incentive to arrive at his conclusion about the pandemic. The Wuhan Institute for Virology was known for doing high-risk virology research, studying and manipulating coronaviruses, Fauci, as head of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases for almost 40 years, had funded such research at the lab. Last month, a trove of explosive emails and other documents were released by the U.S. House Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic. These revealed evidence of Fauci's and other officials' behind-the-scenes involvement with scientists and journalists demonstrating their effort to quash the lab leak theory. The recently disclosed private communication first reported by Public and Racket lay bare that the highly qualified authors of the paper that Fauci had asserted in April 2020 likely disproved a lab leak, what became informally known as the proximal origin paper, actually had extensive uncertainty about the virus being the result of a natural event. The paper that Fauci recommended was published on March 17, 2020, but in February, just the month before, Christian Anderson, one of the paper's authors, wrote a Slack message to his colleagues saying, The lab escape version of this is so freaking likely to have happened because they were already doing this type of work, and the molecular data is fully consistent with that scenario. Robert Gary, another co-author, wrote on Slack the same month, It's not crackpot to suggest this could have happened, given the gain-of-function research we know is happening. Ian Lipkin, yet another co-author, emailed on February 11th that there was the possibility of inadvertent release at the Institute. Given the scale of bat coronavirus research pursued there and the site of emergence of first human cases, we've got a nightmare of circumstantial evidence to obsess. Contrary to Fauci's seeming objectivity about the paper, according to the documents, in February 2020, Fauci, along with Francis Collins, the head of the National Institutes of Health, took part in a conference call with a number of scientists, including several of the paper's authors, prompting them to begin work on what would ultimately be the proximal origin paper. On March 6th, as this paper was headed towards publication, the virologists had changed their minds about the possibility it came out of the lab. Anderson wrote to Fauci, Collins, and Jeremy Farrar, then a health advisor to the British government and director of the Wellcome Trust. He thanked them for their advice and leadership as we've been working through the SARS-CoV-2 origins paper. Indeed, Fauci and Collins were so closely involved with the paper that in internal communications among the paper's five authors, they referred to the pair as the Bethesda Boys, a reference to the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda. At the time of the paper's drafting, which went on at least from February through early March, when it was accepted by the journal Nature Medicine, Anderson had an $8.9 million grant under review by the NIAID. The grant was approved in May. We may never learn how the pandemic began, considering that the Wuhan Institute of Virology, an institute funded in part by U.S. taxpayers, deleted data about the virus and given the secrecy of the Chinese Communist Party. But instead of offering even handed leadership that encouraged scientists to present alternate perspectives on this and many other issues that arose during the pandemic, Fauci pushed a biased view. Scientists who raised concerns and questions about our COVID 19 response were demonized, even by a government official directly under the care of Tony Fauci. And on it goes they've got the receipts, they've got the emails. Now, at this point, the Department of Energy has concluded that a lab leak from the Wuhan Institute of Virology is most likely where COVID came from. The FBI reached that view before the Department of Energy. Tony Fauci keeps getting very creative in how COVID came about. There's just this, you know, Occam's razor? Occam's razor is the simplest explanation is usually the most likely explanation. And it seems far simpler as a matter of logic to presume that a lab that specializes in gain-of-function research on sars cov viruses pulled from bats, where one of its top researchers fell ill in November of 2019 and other people in that institute we now know got sick thereafter, that it's probably, that's the simpler explanation than uh, someone got it from a wet market from some animal that had been infected by a bat in the wild and had jumped into humans there in the wet market. It just seems logically it's easier to conclude it came from the lab than from the wet market. But we're in no ordinary times, and it was more important to vilify Republicans as racist for suggesting the lab leak than just telling the truth. That's that's part of the problem here. Uh, Part of what we're dealing with here is that it's just the, the media, the left, the Democrats, Together combined were vastly more interested in attacking Republicans, claiming Republicans are racist for suggesting the lab leak, than actually examining what is the easier of the two to conclude. And now that the Department of Energy and the FBI have concluded what so much of the media wants to do that that went to bat for Dr. Fauci and the idea of the wet market are like, well, I mean, two out of five, the CIA's not sure and, and other intelligence officers that they don't think it's the lab leak. So how can we ever know? They vilified it and vilified it and vilified it and vilified it. And they're like, how could we ever know? We, we just it, it, it's too late. And the Chinese deleted records. How can we be sure? This goes to so many other larger issues here. One, uh, the hagiography of Tony Fauci. Um, We we can leave out, you know, Ron DeSantis is, is now regularly pointing out that Donald Trump put him in that position and Donald Trump left him in that position and on his way out of office actually awarded Anthony Fauci an award as opposed to, say, pardoning the January 6th people. We can leave Trump out of this one. The media hagiography of Anthony Fauci has been something to behold The Vogue profiles, the Vanity Fair profiles, uh, the, 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 the media worshipfulness. When it came to anything Anthony Fauci said, he's contradicted himself. The evidence contradicts things he said, and still they don't care. But there's a larger, bigger, more pressing issue here. A free people really do need a free press. There is a lot of alarm around the country on a bipartisan level about local news outlets failing because local news outlets tend to be the outlets that keep local politicians from being corrupt. The Freedom of Information Act requests. The, the Open Records Act requests that local newspapers can file against local politicians and local governments, uh, exposing corruption, it matters greatly. My buddy, Will Davis, he runs a uh, Monroe County Reporter. He's expanded into my county, Bibb County, uh, in Georgia. Bibb County used to have, uh, and still technically has a newspaper called the Macon Telegraph. The Macon Telegraph is a newspaper run by McClatchy. McClatchy has been run into the ground, has been going through bankruptcy. And the local paper in my area is absolutely worthless. You know, I had a column in my paper for a while. I did the column for free. I wrote that column every day for how long? Almost a decade. I mean, I was, I was someone of note. I was on CNN and then Fox. I was an elected official on my city council at a national radio presence. And I did a column every week for free in this local paper until one day McClatchy sent me a note and said I couldn't write for the paper anymore. I couldn't write my column anymore because I wasn't charging them anything. This is a true story. This is the the state of the American media. McClatchy told me I could not write a column because I was doing it for free. If I wanted to continue writing it, they would have to pay me something. I said, how about $25 a week? And their response is that it would have to be 50. That's the minimum they'll pay a contractor. I was like, okay, I'll take $50 a week. Then they wouldn't pay me, and they told me I had to file a bankruptcy claim, and then they wouldn't wouldn't continue to run the, the column. I was like, you know what, just screw it, I'm done, forget it. Haven't written the column since. Had a free column in the in the newspaper. Every week, people could read from someone local as opposed to the syndicated columns. I could do it. Often wrote about local issues from a nonpartisan perspective, uh, just covering local things happening to the community. Did it for free. They're like, no, we got to pay you. And once we agreed on pay, they're like, well, now we don't have enough money to pay you. We've gone bankrupt. Uh, The the state of local media. So my buddy Will has this paper, and he's now given coverage to my community, and and the politicians are aghast. They hate it. They don't like the fact that this guy, who is conservative, by the way, he would dare to ask them questions about where the money is going. They don't like it. Nationally there is this idea and I think it's true that these local newspapers, county by county newspapers, they tend to hold counties accountable. In fact, there's a growing army of politicians who are suing local newspapers, trying to put them out of business on slander, defamation charges because their finances are shaky, so you sue them. They've got to they got to pull their punches. They don't want to go out of business. They don't want to they don't want the litigation. The problem is that at the national level where all the laments for local media are, the national media has just become a tool of the Democratic Party, and so nobody trusts the national media. And at some point, you do have to have a free press that the free people respect in order to maintain uh, a a corruption-free environment in your government, but the national media doesn't care. They're so broke on Trump. You can't get honest stories from them about things anymore. You just simply can't. I will talk about Donald Trump in the third hour of today's program and the latest on the indictments. But I'll give you now the nutshell of what I say in the third hour today, and it's just simply this. We do a lot of research about the audience. Do you know the number one, and I've said this before, and it's not just me. The number one thing the audience, including people who identify as Trump voters, don't want to hear about? Trump. They're tired of it. There's so much more going on in the world. In preparation for talking about this this afternoon, I fired up CNN on the TV, and it was wall-to-wall coverage of the Trump indictment. And it's all speculation. Nobody knows anything. They're just speculating. They're going after Trump's tweets. MSNBC doing the same thing. Nobody wants to hear about it, but that's all they can do. They're obsessed with it. So nobody takes them seriously. Everybody ignores it. And Tony Fauci, I suspect, is smart enough to know that the media that hates Trump was always going to give him a pass. And the media that wants to vilify Trump and his supporters as racist were never going to take seriously the lab leak theory because they could paint that very easily as just a bunch of racists being racist. The result is that more and more people are tuning out the media. Local papers are dying. People are turning off the national news. People are getting their news from other sources and not necessarily the best sources. But where do they go when the media is singularly obsessed with Donald Trump? It's all they want to talk about. And then when they talk about him, you know predictably how it's going to be. When you look at how they covered uh, Joe Biden, they protect him, including uh, the way he talked to this woman who lost her son in Afghanistan, lying to her about his own son's death. And time and time again, they give the Democrats a pass, vilify the Republicans, and everyone has tuned them out. Free market, supply and demand, and bankruptcy for them all. Between 22-year high interest rates, bank collapses, and, I mean, we are still got a recession threat. Have you seen gas prices? I can't think of a more important time to welcome Swiss America to the show. Swiss America has been the trusted leader in precious metals for 40 years in this country. They help people like you and me protect our hard-earned assets. Is your money in the market? Uh, hopefully a solvent bank these days. You know, the what is it? Moody's came out today and is casting doubts on the finances of a lot of regional banks. Swiss America help people protect their hard-earned assets. Uh, when your money is safe, uh, safely tucked away in precious metals, you can help insulate yourself, your family, even from economic turmoil. It, it, precious metals can pad the ebbs and flows of the stock market. Now, one of the things Swiss America is offering you guys right now is the Walking Liberty half dollar, thirteen fifty each. Up to you get up to two hundred fifty coins per customer while supplies laugh. I've got my Walking Liberty half dollar. They're actually gorgeous, gorgeous silver coins. To get this, you want a walking liberty half dollar for thirteen fifty. all you do is call or text. You can text them at the number as well, 800-289-2646, or go to Swissamerica.com slash Eric, Swissamerica.com slash Eric. Or if you call 800-289-2646, just mention me on the call or the text, 800-289-2646, or go to Swissamerica.com slash Eric. Talk to Swissamerica. Message and data rates may apply. If you're interested in precious metals, talk to Swiss America. Get the Walking Liberty half dollar from them. Get them for your kids as well. They're really, really beautiful coins, and they're silver. This is of the program, brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan, wherever you are in the United States. If you are in charge of a business and that business needs to grow, buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise, expanding, reach out to First Liberty, firstlibertyga.com, firstlibertyga.com. You need $250,000 or more. So they specialize in helping businesses, FirstLibertyGA.com. Well, it turns out that Hunter Biden's business partner, surprise, he visited the Obama White House and the vice president's residence, more than previously known. This is from Fox News. Hunter Biden's longtime business department, partner, Eric Sherwin, visited the Obama White House and then-Vice President Joe Biden's residence dozens of times between 2009 and 2016, likely to make him the next target of the House Oversight Committee's investigation. He visited the Vice President's residence in the White House at least 27 times during Joe Biden's Vice Presidency. However, a more extensive review found he actually made at least 36 visits during the same time period. He was a founding partner and managing director of Hunter Biden's now dissolved firm, Rosemont Seneca Partners, where he was appointed by then President Obama to the Commission for the Preservation of America's Heritage Abroad interesting. But CNN and MSNBC would rather focus on Donald Trump's indictment than Hunter Biden. So how many people will even know? Well, a lot if they keep listening to me. I'll make you smarter. When we come back, uh, we got to talk more about that volcano and slave labor. Yes, there's a tie between the two, slave labor and the volcano. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.